Hey guys, welcome to the Pacing Racing Podcast, the Canadian triathlon podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. So today we have Swedish pro triathlete Jesper Svensson on for episode number seven of the Road to Roth training series. So for the first time listeners, a bit of a backstory here with the Road to Roth series. At the beginning of August of 2019, I announced that I'll be doing my first full distance triathlon at Challenge Roth in 2020. And since then, I found a ton of listeners were actually on a similar path whether it was for Roth or another race, but they too were on that crazy journey to their first full distance triathlon and looking forward to hearing content specific to the full distance. Now, of course, never having actually done this distance before, I figured everyone would benefit the most in a series where I interview top pro triathletes and coaches that will be able to provide us a ton of training tips specific to that distance, as well as give us the motivation and insight we need to maximize our performances come race day. Now, this man needs no introduction. With a second place finish at Challenge Roth 2019, Jesper has truly made a name for himself and is always exciting to watch race. And in today's episode, we talk about how he got into triathlon from a background as a competitive swimmer. Uh, We talk about his experiences at Challenge Roth, his decisions in riding with Phantom Racing, and we ended off with a few great age group training tips. Now, we also take the time today to talk about some of his memorable moments at Roth, and he gives some great race-specific tips for the course. I'm really excited for this one, guys, and I could keep going all day, but let's hear it from Jesper himself. Now, let's cue the music. Today's show is brought to you by two sponsors. The first one is Brown Sports Bike Shop, located in Toronto, Ontario. So I've always wanted to partner up alongside a local bike shop, but I was reluctant to commit because I never found a bike shop that encompassed everything I wanted in a shop until I met JP from Brown Sports. When you want to help represent a bike shop, you want to know that you can be absolutely sure you can refer your friends and family and listeners to them and know they're being taken care of in the best hands and getting the best prices. The team at Brown Sports are super knowledgeable when it comes to proper bike selection and bike fitting. In fact, JP is a retool and IBFI level two certified fitter and will go above and beyond helping you select the right bike for you and go to great lengths in making sure you leave the best bike fit possible. And they have a huge selection of bikes, including an incredible lineup from Quintana Roo Bikes. And they're also the only company in Canada to offer up the 51 Speed Shop products. So it's really an all-in-one shop. So it's not just a bike shop though. They also have a ton of great nutritional products, swim gear and running gear. So if you're needing to add something to your triathlon repertoire, then there's a good chance they have it. And I'm currently working with JP now to get my bike fit dialed in. As last season, I realized I was losing some valuable wattage and coming off the bike way more fatigued than I had to be because my positioning was way off. So I'll be doing a video of the fitting process when it's all done. So if you want to see that, then be sure to sign up to the Pacing Racing YouTube channel to be first notified when that comes out. And alongside carrying some of the best triathlon and road bike selections, Brown Sports also has a demo room for all the best indoor bike trainers, including the TAC series, the Wahoo series, and even the latest 4i flight trainer. So if you're in the market for a new bike trainer, then they are also the experts in that area and they'll help you set up the proper trainer and get you a good price. So if you want to go check them out in person, you can find them at 2447 Bloor Street West in Toronto at the Jane and Bloor intersection or of course, you can also check them out and see their full inventory and list of services online at brownsports.com. And lastly, you can follow them on Instagram or Facebook by searching Brown Sports. The second sponsor of today's show is Echelon Wheels, which is a wheel manufacturer based right here out of Ontario, Canada. And I'm beyond happy to find a wheel company like Echelon for so many reasons. As we mentioned, this being a Canadian-based podcast, I love to have partnerships with other Canadian brands. And who better than a wheel company that offers top-quality designs and materials for a wheel set at a fraction of the cost compared to the other brands in the market. 
And to put this into perspective, the Echelon Full Disc is going for around $14.99 Canadian, whereas some other brands in the market are selling their full discs for upwards of $3,300 US. And of course, every wheel set is different, but as an age grouper, we all know that the sport is super expensive. So it's, it's nice knowing there are brands out there like Echelon, they're just able to keep the cost down for us as much as possible. So the neat thing about Echelon is that they're active cyclists who run the company. So you know they're not just making their products, they're actually using them for their passion. And if you look at their products, they carry wheel selections from U-Profile, V-Profile, and offer depth ranges from 38 millimeters all the way up to the full disc. So if you're curious about my bike setup, I'm currently running with a 60 millimeter echelon wheel in the front and 88 millimeter echelon wheel in the rear with DT Swiss hubs. And recently I created an aero testing video alongside William, the co-founder of Echelon Wheels, where we tested three different echelon wheel sets across two days of outdoor testing at different set wattages to see what wheels are best suited in certain course conditions. So if you guys want to check that out, you can head to Pacing Racing on YouTube. Echelon isn't only a partner of the Pace Racing Podcast, but they're also huge supporters of Team LPC, which is the team I'm training with this year as I build up to 2020 Challenge Roth. And for a limited time, they've been super, super awesome and offer up a discount code to the Pacing Racing listeners. So if you want to look at getting yourself a wheel set, then head to echelonwheels.ca and use promo code PACINGANDRACING. And I also recommend checking them out on Instagram or Facebook by searching at Echelon Wheels. And again, Echelon is spelled E-C-H-E-L-O-N. So Jesper, welcome to the Pace Racing Podcast, man. How you doing? Thanks, man. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm back home in Sweden and I'm enjoying some uh, off-season training. So that's that's good. Yeah, perfect. Eh? I think a lot of the triathletes seem to be super happy about this uh, this off-season that we're, uh, we're in right now. I, I know you guys probably hit it hard all season long, so it's nice to get a little bit of a break, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a long season and uh, all the time when you have a race, then you need to focus on everything like sleep, recovery, food, don't uh, go out with friends and everything like that. So it's now you can just relax the mind and... Uh, yeah, the the body also, and just go out and uh, do fun training. So that's awesome. Exactly. No, that's really cool. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, yeah. so first off, I just want to say thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate that. I'm super happy to have you on today. And there's there's a ton I want to talk about, you know, things like preparing for a race like Challenge Roth. But before we dive into those kind of specifics, uh, for the listeners who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into triathlon? Because you actually started out as a swimmer, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, so I was a swimmer from uh, eight years old and I was swimming to uh, 25 years old. And uh, I was uh, doing some running also uh, on the side of the run uh, on the swim career. But yeah, I, I was never like top of the notch in the swimming world. So I like to train a lot. But uh, when you are swimming, you can feel like sometimes it's going really fast when you are swimming and sometimes you are just, you are just not having your day. So I was just like uh, trying all the time and uh, I was uh, enjoying the training when I was swimming, but uh, I was not having the results I, w- I wanted to have. So I was uh, in the end of my swim career, I was like going into more and more like swim run and triathlon and doing more like more other sports just to enjoy the training and stuff. So then the triathlon was not so far away when you are doing like that. So 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's crazy mm. to see now, right? Because look at where you're at today. You just had an incredible season this year. And then, I mean, one thing that I always like to highlight and point out, just because it's one of the biggest races in, in my mind, was the, the Challenge Roth second place. Like that was, that was crazy to see. And just coming from a swimming background, uh, slowly getting into triathlon organically, like you never had the intentions of becoming a professional triathlete. Did you like, when was that change where you decided that you want to become or like go all in and become a professional triathlete? I tried my first uh, half distance 2015 and I, I really felt that like, uh, oh, this is uh, something for me. And then I was like 2016, I, I, I worked as a swim coach uh, full time to 2016. And then I start to go like half time uh, in the end of the 2016. And then like from 2017, I've just like worked a little bit and I have tried to like focused on triathlon so from 2017 I've like just focused a lot on uh, that very cool no that's amazing and I mean it's kind of it's we're all glad you did it because now look how well you're doing in the sport right I think it's it's pretty incredible to kind of watch athletes like yourself uh, perform the way they do and yeah it's only been a I guess a few solid years even doing that full-time right so uh, there's there's uh, the envelope still yet to be open on the potential there. So that, that's crazy to see. And now we just briefly talked about the off season and how you're, how you're seemingly enjoying it quite a bit there. Now, what, uh, like how long does your off season last before you start hammering out and get back into training for the next season? Uh, like last year, I tried to have some like really easy day because uh, I had a trip with my family also, like in February to Mexico, just to uh, have a vacation with the, just like sunbathing and just relaxing. So I, I knew that I had will have a longer off season last year. But this year I was uh, starting my uh, season so late, like uh, finished in Ironman, Florida for uh, two weeks ago. And then I just uh, felt like, oh, I have so much fitness left in my body and I didn't get it out on the last competition of the year. So I was just like, oh, now I now I just go down and uh, train like 15, 20 hours a week compared to what I did before Kona and Florida. That was too much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I, I will have a, cor- a short off season and uh, go for uh, 7.3 Dubai and then uh, do a early Ironman next year. Oh, wow. Amazing. So uh, you just brought up there Ironman Florida. Now, how did you feel with that race overall? Is that like, I've, I've never been there, but I've heard it's a spectacular race venue to be at, right? Just being in Florida, it'd be amazing itself. So how did you find the race overall? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, the weather was crazy. It was like a couple of days before it was like 25 degrees Celsius uh, in the air and uh, like uh, humidity on uh, 80%. And then like <laughs> the day before the race, it was only four degrees in the morning uh, Celsius. I was so <laughs> cold and like... Uh, That's a big change. And there, yeah. And the water temperature was like, yeah, it will be a non-wetsuit legal swim and like that. And then it just changed uh, because of the wind and stuff. So I think uh, many of the people who went there was uh, like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're thinking like Florida, it's hot. And uh, uh, me as a Swede, I, I, I enjoy to race in uh, cold weather. Yeah. And uh, it was a good race for me. I, I was uh, I was in the uh, US for uh, 
before Kona in uh, Boulder and trained there. Okay. And then I went to Hawaii for one month. And then uh, I went to Florida directly after that. So it was a long trip and you... You're getting tired when you're from home so so long time and then like in the end there i just wanted to race the florida and then go home so <laughs> i was just like do the best there and uh, just go home and relax and yeah awesome uh, yeah see it's 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 amazing and i don't think people really understand how much traveling is involved in being a professional traffic like uh, just being away from home for that long of period like it, it it's pretty it's amazing and i don't think a lot of people recognize that uh, the efforts you got to put into that because yeah like you said you went to boulder colorado all the way over to hawaii and then to florida so it's just you've done a ton of traveling so i'm sure you're really enjoying this uh, little off season here after after all that yeah. before you get back yeah. at it again right now yeah it's awesome it's awesome we've touched on swift quite a bit here in the podcast and i just think it's fascinating because uh the intensity levels you can pump out on Swift, I think it's it's incredible. And so is that something that you like to do? Is that like an integral part of getting back into your season's training is starting out with some high intensity Swift? Uh, I've not done so much Swift training. I've done like a couple of sessions only uh, because uh, I don't know if I'm like racing each uh, others in training, I will just like go crazy, I think, because... Uh, um, my training philo- philosophy with my train uh, coach uh, Frank Jacobsen from Denmark. Uh, we are like uh, training so much on the just the edge of uh, like uh, overtraining. So if you are adding up that with like swift training and stuff, uh, you will get smashed so hard. I think so. But uh, now uh, under the off season, I will I will have some like high intensity training, uh, of course. So maybe I will go more on Swift then. Put my mind in that and see if I want to do it or not. There you go. Eh? <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. No, good stuff. And then, so talking about uh, you this year uh, with your race season. Now, one of the coolest things I recognized early on that see so you ride the the Ventum bike, which is fantastic, and I think it's an excellent bike. And we actually recently had Dianor on the podcast as well, uh, the, the found, one of the co-founders of Ventum, and we got to hear lots about that bike. So I was super fascinated by that recently. So I'm excited to have you on here today and kind of talk about it. And can you tell us a little bit about your, your bike setup and, and what made you ultimately choose riding with Ventum? I know I, I'm a, like a strong bike rider. I, I am not like I'm pretty heavy to be a triathlete in a weight. So I like wanted to have a bike who was uh, able to put my power into the bike. So like the Ventum is very, very um, solid bike and uh, solid is an awesome bike. And uh, you can get your power into the pedals there really. And uh, I wa- I, I'm really about uh, aerodynamic also. So I, I changed my, uh, my rig, the aero bars, to a tree rig just to get some more flexibility in the front also. And then I'm like, I've never been in a wind tunnel or uh, like the velodrome to test my uh, setup. But uh, I'm looking like on the other triathletes who have been in, uh, in the wind tunnel and I'm looking myself on like picture and stuff. And then I change with the uh, uh, bike fitting with my coach also. And okay. uh, just to see if I can put the power out and I'm comparing to if I'm changing some of the, like the saddle height, if I can put more out on the pedals with the power or if I uh, need to change something else. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so you said you went with the tri-rig bars up front, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so and you've never and you've never actually went in the wind tunnel, which is is pretty fascinating because but then again, I can easily see, right? Because it's 
it's really expensive to use a wind tunnel and especially just to kind of set up in a velodrome, right? So, uh, I mean, you're obviously getting what you need by your positioning by doing what you're doing now because you've got an excellent aerodynamic position on the bike and you're putting out strong wattage and you feel comfortable and and it looks good on the bike overall. So I think uh, what you're doing is actually <laughs> working really well. So it goes to show that you don't always need to go spend that fortune at a uh, wind tunnel. So that's cool. Oh, that's that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. You just so, need to have some, uh, what, what we are calling it in Sweden, fingertop chancellor. You know, like uh, the top of the finger. You know, you need, just need the feeling of that one. So Perfect. <laughs> Oh, awesome. And I mean, so just going off that, I mean, definitely it works really well because you came second place there overall this year in a very, very competitive field at Challenge Roth. Now, are you able to walk us through a bit about your experience at Roth this year? Like, uh, did you expect that you'd find yourself alongside uh, Andy and Cam Wirth on the podium this year? I was, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I knew that I was in a, a very good shape. I, I, I was, I've been spending the uh, spring on uh, Mallorca three months like this is my third year there for three months just the uh, training and uh, like guiding some uh, athletes on the uh, bike and then like uh, training uh, so much and then like I was going home and did uh, two half distance race and uh, I didn't have like top power there but I did a decent race and I was getting some uh, speed into the body and then I was training like uh, last uh, when it was like one month before Roth I was uh, doing my last two really hard weeks and then I was uh, tapering the last two weeks before Roth and then um, on the race race day it's like if I have a good feeling in the swim then I can swim really really fast and just go by myself and uh, I really had that uh, that day so it's not so common that you get uh, like uh, after 400 meter it's going into a pack but uh, after 400 meter into the swim I was uh, getting a, a lead from the main pack like sure. a five five ten meters then it just was being bigger and bigger and uh, like after halfway i was by myself like with uh, 30 seconds to one minute and then i just expand the lead all the way to the bike uh, start or transition one when you have uh, such a lead then you just need to hammer from the beginning and uh, see how how far you are <laughs> how, how far you can uh, go and uh, like yeah uh, put some stress into the other competitors because uh, if they are thinking oh i'm putting like uh, 340 350 watts uh, on the bike and they are not gaining time then they are starting to uh, mess with their brain so i think it's a good way to like stress the competitors if you are doing like that yeah and then like after uh, yeah, 60Ks, the three Andes come. Uh, we was in a pack with four four guys and then, and then I lost them in the on the second lap. So, yeah, I was biking some by myself there and then I was with Cameron Wolf in the end and then we start to run together and then I just have a really good feeling on the run. So, yeah, that was a good race. <laughs> yeah. So, what, uh, like, what's the feeling like leading the race for the front pack like uh it, as you said there you have a pretty good race tactic on kind of hammering it out to make sure that messing with the, the other athletes minds by putting out hard at the beginning to make sure they can't catch up per se which is a really cool but tactic but uh, do you also do you thrive off kind of leading the front pack or uh would you rather chase someone ahead of you like what, what's that kind of work from your standpoint 
it depends it's really depends on the swim if i if i have a like a good day on the swim i can i can do like that but if i if i have like a little bit of worse day and a worse feeling on the swim then i can just sit in the pack and do something else uh, with a race tactic uh, that day so it depends on the swim <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah. Eh? uh yeah. so, like so as we were talking about we're out there what could you tell us about the race course of challenge roth like are there are there any tips or advice that uh you could focus on for the bike course and the run course per se even even the swim course uh, for age group triathletes out there if, if they're looking to tackle challenge roth next year uh now if the with the swim course you just need to like swim a lot in like seas or lakes uh, or like uh channels like there are in the roth then you just need not need to look up so much because you can look on the side and see if you are swimming like yeah, straight or like because it's just straight down and straight up uh, the same way so it's pretty easy to navigate on the, those kind of uh, okay. those kind of uh, swim course so it's uh, pretty similar to swimming in a pool so and then uh, like the bike course it's it has some elevation uh, on it so you you need to like settle a good pace on the flats and the, the downhill and then you need to like focus on to put a little bit higher pace uh, or numbers on the watts uh, uphill so you you can uh, be together with other athletes on the course there so uh, if you are doing your race pacing uh, in training uh, put some higher threshold uh, minutes inside like a block of 20 minutes of race pace or something just to get some feeling about how how it feels to put uh, higher watts in uh, like the middle of uh, like the climb and then you go down to the race pace again so mm, that's and good, then, good tips yeah yeah and then the run uh, it's a lot of uh, flat gravel uh, road there uh, beside the lay uh, channel so just run a lot of flat and then you just need to get some uh, yeah uh, elevation in the end of uh, like runs uh, long running sessions because of the when you, we are uh, running up to Buschutten, is it called that i don't yep. remember uh, the last uh, city that we are running uh, before we are turning back to the finish line. There was some nasty, nasty hills. So I was not uh, <laughs> like uh, so comfortable there, but uh, <laughs> I managed to hold my second place. So uh, I was really happy about that. But if if I, uh, I would do it again, I think I will long uh, run a longer session, like uh, a little bit harder uh, in the beginning. And then like, uh, uh, try to find some uh, heels in the end of the that session just to focus on your uh, technique in the uh, in when you're running uh, uphill and downhill there so i think that's my best tips yeah perfect so it you actually hit on a lot of great points there so swimming in the channel i think that's that's a perfect way of uh putting it as an analogy like it's it's sort of like swimming in a pool right so uh, mm. you don't have to if you can kind of figure out where you are to the side of the channel in reference to kind of like how you're swimming in a pool, then I think that's a pretty good way of doing that. So then you're not always having to sight all the time and then kind of like take a, take a breather and, and look where you are. So I think that's a really good tip on the swim. Now for the swim, how did you find, like, was, did you notice any, any current or like, the, I assume it's pretty calm waters, right? Like it's just in a channel. Yeah, it was calm. It was calm this year. So yeah, I didn't felt anything. So that was awesome. 
Yeah, so that's good to know. And then, uh, yeah, so very good points on the bike as well because I think for some some reason people say uh, Challenge Roth is a it's a very fast course. So I think a lot of people inherently say that or think that it's a uh, flat bike. So it's good that you pointed out that it's not really a flat bike per se. Then that people should incorporate the hills into their bike and run training. So uh, mm, that mm. that's a little good piece of advice too. Although it is a faster course, it's still still hilly too. So you got to be prepared for that. So that that's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, when it comes to thinking about Challenge Roth, did you have any memorable moments there that kind of strike out to you? Like uh, when you look back, uh, what about either that race day or the week leading up to it that kind of stands out the most that you can kind of reference to people as as some motivation for them to look forward to their race in Challenge Roth? Uh, do you mean in like training or like uh, how it is in the city and stuff? Yeah, like like in the city, kind of leading up to the race week, just uh, the atmosphere, like any events going on there at, at the race, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I when I was uh, I was there like uh, four days before the race, and uh, I was living uh, at the host family there, and they were like uh, they only sp- uh, they were only speaking Germany uh, German, uh, and I was like. Uh, uh, in Sweden, uh, you can choose like between Spanish, German, and uh, like French. Right. Uh, in the low low grade low grade school to up to high school, and I was uh, learning uh, German there, but uh, I I didn't remember so much. So <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun to just like uh, converse on uh, Google Translate and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> then like in the city, it's. Uh, yeah, you can really feel that it's a triathlon festival that week. So I was uh, a little bit shocked that it was so crazy, uh, especially when you are doing the uh, solar climb on Solar Hill. That's that was uh, that was crazy. But like uh, out on the second lap, it's a lot of uh, like other competitors on the course. So you just need to settle in and just do. Uh, what everybody does uh, for right. pace up, up there so you just need to uh, take your time on that hill and enjoy enjoy it so and uh, yeah it's I, I enjoyed my time there so it was awesome awesome yeah no very good point about the solar hill too right I think that's one of the best pieces of uh, advice that, that I've heard is just yeah like take take your time on Solarberg hill and then and like take it in and enjoy it because uh, with with the atmosphere, the crowd, I think that's something that it makes Challenge Roth the way it is, which is always fun to be a part of, right? So the fact that you get to be there and participate in it and kind of feel how it's not maybe the same as those front pack uh, cyclists that, who are the pros out there who are kind of breaking through that solar hill for the first time. Now, mm-hmm. like, uh, that's a unique experience all in itself, but it's still for any age group out there to be going up solar hill. I think that's just an incredible feat in itself, just getting to Challenge Roth and, and participating. I think that's huge. So uh, that's that's cool, man. I think it's funny you mentioned about how you stayed at a homestay there, and uh, you know that language barrier. And I think that's always something that a lot of triathletes seem to get used to, because of course you guys do so much traveling, right? So you go all over the world, and you just kind of get used to those ways of using Google Translate or things like that, just to kind of uh, make do. So uh, that that's pretty cool. And do you have any kind of travel tips, I guess per se, for athletes who might be traveling for the first time? For example. Uh, a lot of international athletes heading to challenge Roth, like any simple packing tips with their, with their race gear or things like that. Try to uh, like uh, have everything with you, like all the uh, bike stuff, like mechanical, 
mechanical yeah, puncture kit and everything like that if something goes wrong because it's you, yeah of course you have the expo but it's like three times uh, ex- more expensive than it is uh, back home so have everything with you uh, to the like with race uh, race wheels and race uh, tires and all all of that and then uh, yeah they have good uh, stores and uh, like food shops to buy the food there so it's yeah you don't need to have so much with you so it was it was so good pack, pack pack light then the necessary for the race perfect Just, uh, yeah yeah awesome no that's good man and then so after challenger out there of course uh you raced in kona and which if if i'm correct that was your first time there right yeah yeah that's correct that's yes correct. so like what was the experience down there at kona like how was that yeah kona is kona you need some experience to do it uh, good there so i was uh, uh having a good swim i was uh, with the first pack and then uh, out on the bike they were just uh, hammering it so I could not keep the first group there, so then I was just was in no man's land uh, until the like the back uh, bike pack was catching me, and then I was biking with them, and then yeah, into the T two I was uh, like in the third pack I think, and then out on the run I just felt not so good, so yeah, I had some uh, tactical mistake I can. Uh, do better for next time so but i finished the race and honored the race so i was happy with that yeah i've, I've always heard that uh, kona is it's a very humbling course of course i've never been at kona but i can imagine you know racing in that humidity well I, i'm sure when you compare the, the heat there so perfect example i'm curious to hear this so challenge roth was very hot this year right it was uh just in germany they had that big heat wave throughout the early july so that in comparison to Kona, how how much worse was Kona in terms of heat and humidity? Uh, in Roth, uh, it was like the week before the heat wave. And then uh, like when the race was coming, it was only like 15 to 20 degrees, I think. It oh, was okay. not so hot, but the water was hot. So it was a non-wetsuit swim. So that was, I think, for the first time in Roth uh, history that huh. it was a non-wetsuit. So that was pretty crazy. But then, like compared to Kona, it's uh, it's the sun and uh, the lava fields and everything. You you just need to focus so much and not overpace yourself. And uh, yeah, you cannot do something stupid. And it's uh, your core temperature and uh, like body, uh, just temperature, just uh, getting higher and higher. And eventually, you're just uh, breaking, and you cannot run anymore or bike anymore so hard. So. For sure. So, so you mentioned there that Roth had the non-wetsuit legal race. So I think that's a a concern for a lot of age group triathletes out there, right? Like I think they favor the wetsuit. I know a lot of pro triathletes because they excel at swimming quite a bit that, that they don't mind those non-wetsuit legal races and actually some, some of them prefer it, right? But for those age groupers who are heading to challenge Roth and, you know, or any race out there that maybe non-wetsuit legal any tips in training that would help them kind of wrap their head around the fact that they might not have the chance to wear a wetsuit to kind of help them out like uh, should they be getting lots of practice in open water without wetsuits just to get used to it i just think uh, like when you are swimming in a pool in the winter you you cannot put everything like uh, equipment on 
So uh, you, you need to swim something like uh, without pool boy or without this uh, swim pants, you know, uh, with the floating system mm. or like uh, paddles and stuff like that. So you just need to swim a little bit more without anything to get the feeling of, of how can I swim faster without anything on. So yeah. uh, it's it's a little bit different swimming with a wetsuit. You can just like you can just like uh, drag uh, the arm uh, through the water and uh, then you are going forward. But if you are doing that where, when you are swimming without wetsuit, you are you are killing the water or like yeah, like you are not getting your uh, stroke or the water with you. So you need to have some more water feeling when you are swimming uh, without wetsuit. So uh, the tips there is like. Uh, yeah, do some technical drills and swim more without any equipment just to get the feeling of how, how it is. Yeah, no, that that's very good, good advice too, because I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of, you know, once they get through the swim that they're happy, like they, they've finished the hardest part of their race, unless they're, unless they're a uh, really good swimmer, then it's different. But a lot of people who struggle with swimming, uh, the idea of a non wetsuit legal race might be intimidating. Now, luckily with a race like Challenge Roth, the, the swim conditions are pretty favorable compared to some of the others you could face. But mm, yeah, mm. there's always that, that inherent chance that there could be non wetsuit legal. So just be prepared for that. And you said it well, just train just uh, without, without those extra pieces of equipment that keep you afloat, like pull boys and, and those, uh, those swim pants and things like that. So excellent, man. That, that's great advice. And so as uh, we look past off season here, have, have you decided on what your race season looks like ahead? Uh, I will race 7.3 in Dubai in uh, February. And then I will uh, race uh, Ironman like uh, South Africa or Texas in April. Okay. And then... Uh, I will do some more Ironman in the summer and see if I qualify for Kona. And then maybe I, I was looking a little bit for the ITU long distance championship in Almere, Amsterdam also. Oh, wow. It's, uh, on the Ironman distance next year. So I think that course can suit me pretty well. It's, it's a flat and fast race course. So I'm looking like when I'm choosing race, um, I need to look how the other courses to see if I can uh, be go- good on it. So I'm not like a climber or something like that. I'm just like a flat course uh, to hammer it and uh, uh, be arrow all the time. And uh, yeah, so I can be good on what I'm good at on. So yeah, perfect. And so that that's exciting news that uh, ITU long course is going to be in Amsterdam, and it, it just seems like it's an amazing year next year for triathlon i guess just with tokyo 2020 coming up right and then that the fact that it long course will be in amsterdam and there's just gonna be some incredible races up ahead so it's gonna be a great season ahead so now does it does your schedule change based off if you were to get the kona slot early on and say something like texas uh, would that change the outcome of your your race season uh or do you just kind of have certain races in mind that you just want to do like you said you just research a race and, and that's what you want to do regardless of of the outcomes yeah, a little bit it's changing, but uh, like uh, this year for Kona, I was uh, doing my preparation like uh, I thought was the best. But like next year, I think I want to race a little bit more because this year I was uh, conservative with my racing, uh, but I like to race a lot. It's like uh, like Lionel Sanders, uh, like a Canadian you are. 
uh, he he uh, have been saying that like uh, yeah if you are uh, just training all the time you you can just like uh, go so deep and uh, you can train all the time and you don't focus so much on the recovery weeks that you need to have like uh, if you're having a race in the in the season or like uh, more race in the season then you have some rest before and then you have some rest after so then you get your recovery weeks like that and then right. you get some high intensity on uh, really high intensity on the races so i think i will go into that approach a little bit more next year Awesome. No, that that's perfect, man. So, uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I can definitely see that now, right? Like, you're gonna get the intensity, you're gonna get the race race specific training because you're actually racing in all these races, and it's just gonna be, you know, you're making memories along the way too, which is kind of nice. And like you said there, yeah, you're gonna get that recovery period, which sometimes you may neglect if you're hammering out training all the time, and <laughs> you just don't realize mm-hmm. that you need the the recovery until it's almost too late. So, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. awesome, man. Because you are never like, when you are getting tired, you are just like, oh, this is like the normal state in the body or the feeling of the body. But uh, it is not. So, but <laughs> it's so hard to recognize that, that feeling. So, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect, man. So uh, just kind of going over a couple age group tips to kind of end off, end off the podcast here. Now, you mentioned the Ventum bike that you use. Uh, Again, one of the things that Dia Noor mentioned to me that uh, in the previous podcast episode that if you needed any hardware for the Ventum bike, that as you mentioned, bring you know bring any equipment, bring any tools you need for your bike, any mechanical stuff because a lot of times you won't be able to find find it at at whatever race you're traveling to. Uh, I guess one of the neat things I didn't realize about Ventum, which I, I, I'm sure you can attest for, that uh, a lot of the hardware on the bike, if whatever were to happen, if the bike got shipped and got damaged on the plane that a lot of the hardware components actually can be replaced essentially by picking up hardware at any kind of local bike shop or, or home Depot or something, which is great because I, I know a lot of other bike brands tend to use like custom bolt heads and stuff. So in that situation, you'd have to order directly from those bike manufacturers, right? So it's not really useful when you show up to another country uh, to race and, and you can't put your bike back together. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, so annoying if it's something, uh, something breaks or something uh, like uh, like the first half distance there i was a really rookie you know i had uh, directly from the swim uh, out on the transition one i had the flat <laughs> like i had uh, i had uh, the puncture kit with me or the like the extra tube but when i i'm starting to change uh, the tube then i recognize oh i i I don't have the extension to have it out on the 18 millimeter uh, oh, yeah. uh, racing wheel. So I was like going all the way to the expo, buying a new one like <laughs> on the credit, and then like putting all together, and then I was racing again. So <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, so you you need to like you can never like uh, prepare for everything you just need to have an open mind and learn. like yeah it's it will solve sometimes so <laughs> no that's awesome that that's hilarious because uh no funny thing and i'm sure every athlete there can uh, think back to a story i know <clears throat> i'm thinking of one of my stories that it's just hilarious that yeah you go to a race and 
you're right. You just can't prepare for everything. And when something happens to you as like a mechanical failure of some sort, it just, it's one of those things. It's going to happen to everyone. It's a really big bummer. Well, it happens because you're like, ah, I just, I came out to this race. I paid my way here, uh, made a weekend out of this and, and now you can't finish the race, but it's just the way it goes. I guess that's, uh, what we deal with as triathletes, right? It's just, it's an inherent risk with, with bikes and having mechanical components in your sport. So, um, no, that's just the way it goes, I guess. eh? But, uh, good stuff, man. And so when it comes to traveling on the plane now, do you use like, uh, I assume you use bike cases, but do you use a hard case or a soft case or kind of, do you have any preference on that? Yeah, I use, uh, I'm using uh, Seacon bags. I've been, uh, uh, doing a co- collaboration with them, so I, I like the Seacon bags because uh, you don't need to put uh, put uh, all the bike uh, apart when you are <laughs> traveling with it. So, but I never uh, have any issue with uh, like uh, that case. So it's it's been good for me. But I I'm taking away like the the front bar, uh, the arrow bars from from it, so it's not like uh, uh, breaking on the on the gears uh, shifters in the front there right. so i'm putting the, that one off so that's and i'm taking the chain off and uh, the derailleur also or the what's it called the back derailleur no the shifter the back the, shifter or yeah the rear derailleur yeah, yeah 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 no yeah. perfect uh, so uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Seacon there. So they're actually a really great bike company. And one of the things I like about them too, right, is that you, you mentioned there yourself that you don't necessarily have to completely take your bike apart like some some other bike cases you might find out there. So uh, not only are you getting that protection from the bag, but you're actually, it's nice to show up to a place and you don't have to reassemble your entire bike piece by piece. So I think that's mm-hmm. a huge, you kind of just get your bike, put your saddle back on, put your bars back on a couple small things like a pedal here and there and, and you're good to go. So, um, that's really cool. I think, uh, I, I would definitely advise too, just by hearing what you're saying that, uh, you know, it's kind of worth if you're going to do any overseas traveling to get a decent, decent bike case. Right. And then if you only use it once, you can always kind of resell it or something. So, um, just as mm-hmm. an age group tip out there. So good stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now let's touch on nutrition for a second. Uh, we briefly talked about earlier how it has to be in place in order for you to really do well in a, a course. Now it's a big part of triathlon, especially important when you get into the longer distance, right? Now, uh, what are your strategies for the uh, nutrition for a full Ironman race? And do you have any tips for age groupers out there when it comes to on-course nutrition in an Ironman? Uh, I'm using uh, Morten, uh, you know, the Swedish brand who like keep showing and every the athletes in the marathon field is using. So nice. I'm liking that uh, that kind of products. And when I'm going out or like preparing for the race, then I'm I'm uh, calculate uh, everything I need, and then I'm seeing like can I have all this with me, like on the bike, and uh, how how far can I. <laughs> How far can I go on the run before I start uh, need more uh, energy from like the aid stations and stuff, or if I need to have it in a special need? So um, calculate and use it in training before. So if you are having like a hard day with like a race-based bike and then like a brick run after that, use what you want to take in on a race day. And uh, get used to it uh, with the stomach and stuff like that. Uh, then it's going to be more easier for you to get all the nutrition in on the race day. So um, yeah, and all, uh, when you are going into the race, also eat clean. Don't eat like fast food and stuff like that because uh, 
when your stomach is happy, then your body is starting to be happy also. So I'm like focusing a lot of my meals before races and stuff like that. So uh, just to get to the start line with the best body and uh, I can have. So the focus is to train with it and then go with it on the race day also. Yeah, perfect. And so I'm glad you mentioned the pre-race nutrition as well, like having a clean diet leading up to the race. And Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. Now, I think what a lot of people may struggle with, now I'm not sure, uh, maybe you can uh, let me know about this, but uh, traveling to another country might make things harder for people who want to eat clean before race, right? Like I can imagine, say, if I was racing something nearby me, that I could just kind of eat at home and get my good meals. But now when you traveled to like Challenge Roth, for example, uh, were you able to sort of like, did you just go to a grocery store, load up on your groceries and, and cook? Or did you tend to find places that you can eat out that you're able to eat out clean before before the race? Or how does that all kind of work out? Uh, I'm trying to cook all the meals uh, when I'm out on uh, on traveling. Uh, so before races, so I know what I want to have. I, I like rice and like uh, chicken or salmon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's easy to find uh, almost everywhere. And then when I'm booking a uh, like a uh, uh, accommodation, then I'm trying to have with a kitchen or something so I can cook my food. Perfect. Otherwise, some 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 races I've taken. If I know it's a fridge uh, on the room, I've taken with like food also. So it's you can do from home. So you can do whatever you want. And if you know it's a good restaurant somewhere there, then you can just go and eat there and try to find some really clean and not so much uh, weird stuff like uh, yeah maybe a stew or something with uh, (laughs) 20 different uh, ingredients so yeah no that's good and so I'm glad you kind of said that because a way you can kind of look at it as uh, as an age group preparing for a race is that you know consider that a part of your your pre-race build-up right like that's something you also have to consider in your race is just things like wherever you're traveling that, that you need to prepare your, your food because that's just something that you don't think about before you you leave to travel until you get there. And, and the last thing you want is to have to have essentially no way of getting a proper healthy meal, you know, leading up to the race week and, and into race week and going into the race. So I think that's a, a great piece of advice for, for athletes out there who are traveling for races. So perfect. Mm. And, and if you have like a problem with your stomach on races, then you really need to focus on that one. So that's like right. uh, the best. If you have uh, had the races before, then you should look up that. For sure. That's no, it. great, great piece of advice there. Awesome. And one of the last questions I wanted to ask was uh, just for a little motivation for age groupers out there uh, for the next their next long ride that they're doing, or or maybe as they listen to this as they're doing their long run or long ride. Uh, for you, what's your motivation you tap into when you're digging deep in a training session, or when you're you're struggling or hurting during an Ironman race, uh, like? what do you use for like a mindset motivation or, or what sparks that fire inside that makes you keep pushing and push past those, those deep and those dark moments, I guess, that you, you experience in a race. It will go, it, it will eventually go flip over. So you're having a good feeling again. So I'm always like, I want the good feeling. And if I having a, like a bad moment in a race, then I know just like focus on everything I need, pace, nutrition, cooling and everything like that and eventually it will flip over so like in kona there i was running my uh, second half of the marathon faster than the first so that was a good feeling <laughs> that i 
could flip that over uh, even if I was running 341 on the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. And that, that's crazy. That That's really good to, uh, good to hear. Great piece of advice. And yeah, that's, that's pretty phenomenal that you're able to kind of do that in the marathon. So that, that was awesome to see. Uh, good stuff, man. So I think that's a great spot to end off the episode. But before we do, I want to do that one minute Q&A fire round. Uh, so we'll see how many questions we can get through in one minute. Are you in for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. So I'm just going to just set the clock here. So if you're good to start, then I'll start firing these questions off. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so let's do it. So uh, what's your favorite race distance? Uh, Ironman. Uh, What's your go-to pre-race breakfast? Quinoa with uh, yogurt. Oh, nice. Uh, So what's one race on your bucket list you've never done yet, but you'd like to do one day? Uh, I want to do, uh, what do I want to do? I want to do Ironman Sweden. Oh, nice. There you go. Uh, so what's one of the most beautiful places you've traveled for triathlon? Uh, that's, um, oh, that was hard. Uh, fast, fast, fast. Ah, Kona. Kona. Kona? Awesome. Uh, and then who was your biggest influence in triathlon? Uh, when I start, and I was, uh, when I started, it was 2015. Then we was Jan Frodeno because he was winning the uh, Ironman Hawaii. So Jan Frodeno. Awesome. No, good stuff. And then uh, the last one I'll say here is, uh, do you have, or I guess, what is your favorite local race to you? Uh, I liked uh, uh, Schoen. It was a local uh, half distance. It was my first half distance race I did. So, but it's not uh, there anymore. So uh, I'm open on that one. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. No, that's good stuff. So that that's it, man. That, that's a wrap. Obviously I could keep going all day here, but I'm sure you got a busy rest <laughs> of the day planned. So I won't keep you here any longer, but as we finish up, I just wanted to ask if you have any sponsors that you'd like to give a quick shout out to. Yeah, I want to thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, Ventum, Cask, On, uh, Shoes, Polar, Sailfish, Puri, Sip, uh, Tree Rig, Morton, Fusion, Seacon Bag, and my club, Turbo Tuesday. Awesome, man. So that that's great, dude. I, I think that's an excellent episode. I was very happy with that. And I think he gave a lot of excellent tips and he definitely motivated myself and hopefully a lot of listeners about Challenge Roth. So that's exciting stuff, man. And and so for those who don't already follow you on social media, where's sort of the best place they can find you online and follow you throughout the next season? It's uh, Jesper underscore S90. Perfect. And that's on uh, Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, that's perfect, man. Uh, appreciate that. Definitely uh, give him a follow if you guys haven't already. And other than that, man, I think that's uh, that's a wrap and all the best into next season, dude. Thanks, Steven. Thanks. Awesome. Take care, man. You too. Well, guys, there you have it. Jesper is an incredible role model in triathlon and his second place finish at Challenge Roth was truly inspiring to watch. He's a solid guy overall and I can't thank him enough for taking the time today to come on the show. Now, guys, if you want to hear more podcasts like these, then hit that subscribe button and you can follow me on Instagram at pacing.and.racing and check us out on YouTube by searching youtube.com forward slash pacing and racing. And lastly, if you did like this episode, please just take two minutes to leave a kind review on the podcast channel as this helps us get heard by more listeners through the podcast platform algorithms. Anyways, thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys next time.